First, let me read Galatians 3 7, and then Galatians 3 29. Therefore, know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. That means us. Everyone of us, every believer in every generation is a son of Abraham. Abraham never went away in one sense. His influence is still with us today. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. Heirs, if I say heirs, according to the promise. That's a pretty powerful statement. You know, uh, in the New Testament, the three guys that are most mentioned from the Old Testament is Abraham, Moses, and David. That's their reference the most. And, you know, they're just amazing uh, people that God chose to use and chose really to leave a mark on history, uh, both spiritually and naturally. Um, we were talking one night, uh, you know, we have we all have these weird questions that we ask the Lord, like, you know, Lord, why didn't you just, instead of waiting for thousands of years, for, you know, however many thousands it was, nobody actually knows, people have these different thoughts, after the fall of man, to, for Christ to be crucified. Why didn't you just do it right away, so all this crazy stuff wouldn't happen? You ever thought about that? Well, I don't really know why God did what he did. You'll have to answer that. But I do know this. If he wouldn't have waited, we wouldn't have some of the amazing, beautiful stories that we carry, like the story of David. Think about it. If we took, we would have to take large portions of the Bible away. Uh, we would have to take large portions of amazing uh, revelation away if God chose to just go ahead and fix everything right away. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Are y'all understanding? So that's why I think, you know, that God is just amazing and He has this amazing way of doing things. And we don't really always understand it. But I've just gleaned a lot really out of you know out of Abraham. Abraham, Moses, and David are like favorite people of mine to yeah, I've gotten so much out of their lives over the years. Uh, you know, the book of Ruth has been like this amazing book for me. I just go back to it all the time in my life. It's, it's always fresh word for me. Uh, I love the book of Esther, you know. She's amazing. Uh, you know, it just speaks. Me, the book of Nehemiah is like, wow, what would I do without that book? What would we do without understanding the, what Nehemiah, how, what he taught us about building and about uh, resisting uh, demonic attacks and how to handle those kind of things. Just so much. Just so much. And so one thing I wanted to, you know, talk to you a little bit about Abraham because he's just the, like, he's the father, right? Abraham's the father. That's what the Bible calls him. And, and of course, uh, I've been talking to you about this uh, covenant thing. <coughs> it's like kind of scary word for me in a lot of ways. I mean, but God is a covenant God. And that's we, he wants us to, him, us to know him as a covenant God. He wants us to, to lean into the covenant and his covenant nature. And the covenant, he, he, actually there's seven or eight, I don't know, it depends on what brilliant person you ask, different covenants that God made in the Bible. Seven or eight. I'm just going to go with eight because the more the merrier, right? <laughs> Let's go with eight, man. Because <laughs> you know? that's better than seven. <laughs> you know, there's more. But, but the one covenant that God made with Abraham was the, the, the foundational covenant. It's the covenant that the new covenant 
The new covenant actually is, is rooted in, in this, this covenant that God made with Abraham. God made a covenant with Abraham that was everlasting. God said this is an everlasting covenant. It will never come to the end. And the reason he was saying that because out of that covenant will come the new covenant. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? And, I, you know, and that's, that's why we have these beautiful things. I'll tell you, just even looking at the way the travels of Abraham is unreal. It's incredible. How he traveled in that age and, and how the world was then. As I was looking at these maps that track his travel. It's just amazing the, the stuff and all the all altars he built. He, he was an altar builder. Everywhere he'd go, he'd be building altars. Because he was having these encounters with the Lord. And everywhere he had an encounter, he built this altar there. And it was just like beautiful. And so everything about his life speaks to us. It speaks about our life. It's there's revelation in this man that, he's, that he carried on the earth that God wants to pull us. And of course, you know, Paul pulled heavily on, on uh, Abraham, uh, like Romans 4, for instance. He pulled heavily on Abraham about the faith, about faith, and, and in Galatians about, you know, you know this whole uh, Christianity that's not based on the Holy Spirit. Everybody say Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Woo, yeah. He pulled heavily on that. Yeah. Using Abraham as the, the example, using and Sarah... As the example, you know, so uh, I was going to talk to you about Abraham, if you didn't know it, because I'm talking about covenant. I'm not letting go of that quite yet. In fact, I'm never going to let go of it. We'll never become the people, the kingdom people God's called us to be until we really just allow that covenant of God to work into us, this covenant relationship with God. And that really is what covenant's all about, is relationship. It's about relationship with God first. And ultimately with other people. Because whether you know it or not, when we have a covenant with God, God honors all covenants that we have with other people. Uh, in other words, uh, he honored the covenant. Think about it like this. This is how, how God used covenant. God made a covenant with Abraham. And because Abraham was married to Sarah, he, he said, we're not doing something through some other woman because you have a covenant, covenant with Sarah, a marriage covenant with Sarah. Therefore, that's where the promised son's going to come. Y'all get that? See, that tells you something about God. It tells you how he honors things, how he looks at coming. He could have done away with, like, hey, yeah, we'll do the Hagar, the Hagar deal. We get it, Abraham. You know? But no, a covenant of God says, no, sir, because you have a covenant, I honor, and I'm in covenant with you, therefore I'm in covenant with your wife, Sarah. Now, that tells you something. You start really thinking. That's why Hebrews 11, 11 said, said this about Sarah. He said, Sarah herself Receive strength and seed, seed, seed. Not Abraham. It wasn't Abraham at that moment. He was talking to Sarah. Why was he talking to Sarah? He made the covenant with Abraham. He was talking to Sarah because Sarah was in covenant with Abraham. And because she was in covenant with Abraham, God visited her. It's a pretty powerful thought, really. Lord, let that sink into your heart. Well, here's some cool things about Abraham. Abraham came from this place called... This, uh, you're, you're, you are. Is that how you say that? Or somebody smarter than me too? Ur. Ur. Ur of Chaldea. And of course, if you read and study all these crazy people who know all this stuff, there's arguments about which Ur they was. Is it Ur or Ur? That's my short memory. There's crazy, there's arguments about it. There's some people claim it's over there in Turkey. But really, I'm one of the schools of it was in southern Iraq. There's enough evidence there that that's really where 
So, so let's just think about it. We're going to put it in modern words, so I don't have to worry about the earth thing. Abraham was an Iraqi. That's how he started. He didn't start out a Hebrew. In fact, when God came to Abraham, there was no such thing as a Hebrew. They, they didn't exist. There was no, no Hebrews anywhere. There was Iraqis. He was an Iraqi. Uh, recently, Becky and I had a, 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 an opportunity to go uh, to this meeting, and there was these women there from Iraq. And they, man, they were strong in the spirit. Women, right, Becky? They were strong. <coughs> I mean, these are the kind of people, if you need somebody to pray for you, get them. Because they were going to, they will claw hell out of, out of anybody's heart. <laughs> That's why I thought, good Lord, I, you know, they will, they will claw it out of you. And these were, these people, these, these were professional people. They were doctors and, and, and dentists. I mean, they were professional. They weren't like a bunch of, you know, lunatic people. It was crazy people. They, although they could get a little crazy, but they were, they were brilliant people. And the girls were beautiful. I said, Becky, they're still. That's why everyone had so much trouble with Sarah, because she was this beautiful Iraqi woman. You know, all these other guys wanted her all the time, and he was, I'm just telling you that. But, <laughs> and credit, but I said, these girls are beautiful, and that's Sarah right there. That kind of gives you some thoughts about, about Abraham. And so he lived in this uh, very urban city uh, that actually had hot and cold water. Hot and cold water. It was an amazing city if you studied this city. So Abraham was sort of a city guy. You know, living in this city. And, and this, you can read this in Hebrews uh, or, or Genesis 12. God, and they were idol worshipers. They didn't worship the God of heaven. They didn't worship the Christ of heaven. They didn't worship the Holy Ghost. They were worshiping idols. That, that's what they're holy. Joshua even mentioned it about it. These were idol worshipers that lived over there. Okay? And so one day, out of the blue, this is what I love about God. One day, out of the blue, God shows up in the idol worshiper's house and starts talking to this guy, Abraham. At the time, he wasn't called Abraham. He was called something else, Abram. But God just appeared to him for whatever reason. It was all God's reason. God saw this man. God decided, this is the guy I'm going to use to create a nation. I'm going to change this person. I'm going to make him. I'm going to create these Hebrews that I want to have. And I'm going to use them all through history to demonstrate who I am and what I'm like. And I'm going to start with this one guy. And God spoke to him. He goes and speaks to this man and says, get out of here. Get out of town, son. Pack up your stuff. Leave your family. Leave your mama. Leave your daddy. Leave your cousins. Leave your aunts and uncles. And, and go where I tell you to go. And I'll let you know when you get there. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm leaving mom and them and all the comforts of cold and winter. We're going somewhere. Actually, if you look in history, there was a great migration of people during that time of history. So it wasn't unusual that people were migrating away to different places. It was just something that was happening with mankind. It was God was doing it. He was trying to populate different parts of the earth. Are y'all good? Yeah. yeah. looking good. Anyway, so God speaks to him, and the first thing that God really reveals to Abraham, you can read it, I'm not going to read it to you in Genesis 12, 1 through 3, was really the covenant that he made with Abraham. He made a covenant when he spoke to him. 
And he made some promises to him. He made a promise that he would be a great man and that he would have many offsprings and that God would protect him and God would bless him. That was the, that was the deal right away. So Abraham, I don't know why he did what he did. When, if you put yourself in his shoes, why would he do that? But there was something in him. There was something in him and something that God put in him that caused him to respond. Now, he didn't do it perfectly because we can read over in Acts 7 that he took his daddy with him. Okay, and he took a bunch of family with him. And the Lord told him specifically to leave them. And they went to a place called Haran, H-A-R-A-N, which actually is northern Syria. Or possibly maybe in Turkey. And that's where his dad would die, passed off. And so Abraham, you know, he wasn't perfect. This should give you hope. I'm, I'm trying to give you some hope here. He wasn't perfect in everything he did. He didn't obey God right away as exactly. He made some allowances to bring family when God said leave them. God wasn't angry with him. God wasn't messed up with him. God got him out the door. That was the main thing. We'll deal with the family thing later. And he did deal with the family thing later. And there were situations that came up with him. You know, that caused some trouble. Isn't that amazing? And so, things happened. Abraham went. Finally, his dad died. He moved on. Read the whole account in Acts 7. You get a lot of details in there that you don't actually get in Genesis. It's kind of amazing, really, because they don't tell you that about him going to Haran and his daddy dying there and burying him and, you know, I mean, God speaking to him again there. Don't tell you. So, you know, Stephen, when he was preaching before they killed him, was telling, telling those Hebrews a bunch of information that is beautiful. So, let me read this. Genesis 15. Are y'all following me this morning? And the reason I picked Genesis 15 because in Genesis 15, which I'm not going to talk about this morning, actually gets down to this covenant thing that I really, that's really what I meant to talk about more than anything else. But it's just so rich. This chapter is rich. It is rich for Christians. It's rich for us today. There's a richness that God wants to release to people. I mean, a real richness. The air thing I mentioned. That, that Paul said, it's, it's that, it's tapping into something that belongs to us. And when we start getting that, start seeing that, radical changes can happen in our life. And so some stuff happened. You had Genesis 12, Genesis 13, Genesis 14, that, a lot of stuff happened. And then it says in 15.1, you can go back and read it. It's amazing. He run into this guy, Melchizedek. Like, who the heck is Melchizedek? He's a guy without beginning or end. He's called the king of Salem. He runs into him over there in chapter 14. After he gets, after Abraham has to go to rescue his nephew Lot, who some some kings got, you know, there was always fighting going on, and he had to go rescue him and kill a bunch of people, you know. So Abraham was nobody to mess with. He may have been a city boy, but he knew how to fight. So he, because it says after he returned from the slaughter of the kings, don't you love those kind of biblical the slaughter? I know that offends some people, but that's just the way life was in those days. It was a violent world. It was a violent, let me say, it was a violent world. And people wonder why God seemed to condone violence. God didn't condone it. Man was doing it. God was just trying to work his way into that violence and put an end to it. But he had to work his way into it because God has allowed man to have authority on the earth. Y'all get that? So when people blame God for stuff, and why was God like this? God is not the person to blame. He didn't do it. He didn't come up with violence. A guy named Cain came up with violence and killed his brother. And God was not happy about it because he knew that was going to perpetuate all through 
populations. And we say, well, God could have stopped it. God can do lots of things, but that's not how he wants this thing to work. Because God's a relational God. He's not a master God. They're just master slaves. Y'all just look at me. So after these things, all right, here's the first thing I want to After these things, I just told you about it. The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield and your exceedingly great reward. So here's what I want to talk to you about, first and foremost. This is really important. It says, The word of the Lord came. Everybody say that. The word of the Lord came. Somebody had a word this morning in the prayer room about the word of the Lord. Right? Coming to people in the vision. Well, this is a very powerful, powerful thing here. First, let me just say this. Every believer has a, a covenant right to the word of the Lord. You have a covenant right to the word of the Lord. That's, that's what this is trying to tell us. The word of the Lord is for people who are in covenant. Anytime in the Bible where it uses that phrase, the word of the Lord came, watch out. Something's going to happen. Something's going to change. God speaks to do something. Okay? The word of the Lord is important. Let me, let me just tell you this. I've been learning how to do this new prayer. I can't, that God, I, I'm not going to say I came up with. I'm saying the Holy Spirit started speaking to me about praying this prayer. Here's this prayer. Word of the Lord, come to me. Word of the Lord, come to me. Word of the Lord, come to my house. Word of the Lord, come to my children. Word of the Lord, come to my family. Word of the Lord, come to this church. Now, that's a dangerous prayer. Okay? Because when you start praying that, that's part of your rightful inheritance. And I promise you, if you start praying that, the word of the Lord's going to come. Now, it may be a little surprise how it comes. Okay? It may not come the way you think it's going to come. Abraham didn't have no, no grid for how the word of the Lord comes. A lot of people didn't have a grid how the word of the Lord came. I want y'all to pray. Say that with me. Say it. You say it. Word of the Lord, come to me. Come to my house. Come to my job. Come to my finances. See, that's, that's a prayer that God will answer. That's a prayer God will answer. Yeah, right away. But he has ways of coming. Listen to what Psalm 107, verse 20 says. Listen to this. He sent his word and healed them. You hear that? He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. So we can have a, a, a bona fide right to say, word of the Lord, come to me and heal me. We have a right. It says it. There was a man in the New Testament. He was a centurion. Remember that story? Matthew 8, Luke 7. Had a sick servant was dying. Hey, Jesus can heal him. Remember that? Y'all remember that story? He goes to Jesus. All the people are like, hey, go, go, go to his house. Heal this boy. This is a good man. He deserves it. Didn't you know what the guy says? I don't even deserve for you to come to my house. He said, but I'll tell you one thing. Just speak your word. He'll be okay. And guess what happened? He spoke his word. The guy would turn around, went home, got there. They said, when did he get healed? Well, they said, it was about whatever time it was, the same time that Jesus spoke, go your way. Your servant's healed. And so when we start saying, word of the Lord, come to me, 
However God, whatever God wants to speak to you, whatever God wants to reveal to you will start happening in your life. Mm. Are y'all believing this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you yeah. need to write that down somewhere or you need to take yeah. a picture of it or something and start reading it. You know, when you hear about something one of your kids are doing, they shouldn't be doing. Word of the Lord. Come, go to... Yeah. I'll put a blank there, a number line there. You know. yeah. Yeah. So, I've been praying that and one of the things the Lord's been doing for me, this is new for me, okay? You know, I've, I've just been into, for a long time, dreams and visions and revelations. And I've had a lot of dreams from the Lord. I'm starting to have these dreams from the Lord now about, about stuff outside of my little world. About stuff with people out there the world, other Christians, or situations. That's the word of the Lord. This is important. God wants to reveal things to people so people can do something about it. You know what? Let me just tell you this about the word of the Lord. What David said is amazing, okay, about the encounter thing. It, it really is. It's everything. But here's, here's, the, here's the, the thing you got to do. There's a time where encounters are like, oh, encounters with the Lord, I want that, right? Mm. Every day. I don't want to come to church and not have an encounter with the Lord. I'm not coming to church without having an encounter with the Lord. If that happens, I'm finding another church. That's just how I feel about it. Yeah. But let me say this. Encounters are not, it, it can't be the end of it. Right, right. It really can't be the end. I had this vision, this is a vision, this is my dream, of a baby without hands. Okay, a baby, a little baby without hands. And I heard the people that were taking care of the babies talking to the baby like we would a baby without hands. Get, don't do it, you'll get burned. The little baby didn't have hands, but this is the thing. It's one thing to have these, these visions and dreams and stuff, but when God begins to put his heart into that, are you hearing me? When he puts his heart into a vision, and you're not just seeing something, but you're feeling what he's feeling. It's real big. And when I saw that, I felt God's heart about that baby with no hands. And I'm going to tell you, this is one thing. God was broken over that. He was broken. He's broken that there's babies in this world and human beings in this world that don't have hands, don't have feet, that have cancer, or have whatever they have. God's broken over. That's why I said, when we start praying, Word of the Lord come, it's a dangerous prayer. Because God might begin to show you what His heart is. And we might start finding out that God's heart is not exactly the way our heart is. And it might require something of you. It might require you rethinking some things in your life. And y'all get I was saying, 
I can just feel the Lord saying, this is wrong. This is wrong. And your first response might, well, do something about it, Lord. And it's like, no, you do something about it. That's why I'm showing you. You do something about it. And you may think, I can't do anything about it. But yes, you can. You can do something about babies without hands. We need to really start figuring out how to get some hands from heaven and to put on babies. Or whatever, whatever it is. I'm just using that because that's what the Lord showed me. It was turned me, man. See, what that is is the compassion of Jesus. When you start getting in, tapping into the passion, compassion of Jesus, and you can start pulling on heaven and seeing things come. Are y'all getting this? This is really important. Man. That's, that's, a, that's what I'm trying to tell you. Is when that's a result of saying, word of the Lord come to me. I didn't really put a parameter on what that word needed to be. It, it, it can be different in everybody in this room's life. It can, whatever it says to you, that's what you need to hear. However, God, he may not do it in a dream or a vision. He doesn't dream. That's just how it works in my life. It may be a whole different thing in your life. But this is important because I feel like we have accepted something that we shouldn't accept. We've accepted a version of Christianity that is really not, God does not accept it. Are y- y'all hearing me? I'm saying we, I'm, I'm putting me in that bunch. We've accepted something that God says, I don't accept that. I don't accept babies not having hands. That's not acceptable. And it should not be acceptable to us. It should anger us. It should, it should fluster us. It should stir us. And I think that's really where God wants to take us when we start looking at the Word of God. We start talking about His covenant. Because it's a covenant of Him, amongst other things. Now, this is not a pressure thing here. I'm talking about God releasing His heart and releasing the power of what a real covenant with him looks like lived out on this earth. It's just going to be a little different than what we may have thought. Whoo, mercy Lord. So I'm believing for that. There's a lot more, but I don't want to talk about a lot more. I don't talk about this about the other thing. It's said this I think this is what I think about this verse also. It's when he said, Don't be afraid. I'm your shield and exceedingly great reward. He, this is like one of the first revelation of God as a father in the Bible. When he began to go speak to a man and said, listen, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to be your reward. I'm going to provide for you, and I'm going to protect you. Abraham, Abraham needed provision, and Abraham needed somebody to protect him because he lived in this, this wild world. That was a need in his life. So we, I think most of the people in this room know this, but just in case you might be one of them that don't, is these are the three basic things a father does. Is one is provision, two is security, and the third one is identity. Every father, that's their responsibility to their children, is to provide for them, to give them a place where these kids feel secure, where they can grow, they don't have to have fear on them, they can have this confidence in them. And he has to speak identity to them. And if you're a daddy, if you'll do that, if you'll do that, forget everything else. Forget the dog and everything else that the world says you need to do. Do that and you will be wildly successful. And you will give your kids something where they, when they get a, grow up that they can live and not be overcome in this world. Because out of doing that, God the Father gets in on that because that's what he does. Let me just quickly jump over there to did I do that. Yeah, because I said the identity thing. God took care of the identity. He didn't do it right that minute. Genesis 17, verse 5. 
No longer shall you be called Abram, which meant high father, but your name shall be Abraham, father of many. That's what that means. For I have made you a father of many nations. Isn't that cool? So God gave identity. This whole covenant thing didn't all happen in Mark. Then in verse 15 it says, Then God said to Abraham, He started calling him, He quit calling him there, started calling him the name He gave him. As for Sarai, right? Is that how you say that wrong? Sarai. You're a smart person out here. As for, you know what Sarai means? You know what it means? It means dominating. Y'all, if you're a girl, you should slap me. He had a dominating wife. She was dominating him. She, her name, you should not call her dominating anymore, but you shall call her princess. Yeah. Isn't that beautiful? He gave her a name. This is what you're no longer dominating. See, that's what a father does. That's not who you are. You're not a dominating person. You're a princess. You're not just a high father, Abraham. You're the father of many. You've been elevated beyond this land. Isn't that beautiful? And see, that's what we do as fathers, what we're supposed to do. That's why, and that's why, why all the identity and all that stuff and and, and all these things that people are yearning for and this insecurity that's on Christians, you know, and, and they're ate up with stuff. They're ate up with insecurity and they have no confidence and question where God loves them and all this. It's because somewhere they are not getting that. They're not getting God the Father. Somehow it's, there's a blockage in them and it's, and it's breaking them. It's causing them to be broke down in their life because they didn't have that thing speaking into them. And it comes by revelation. And so when we talk about being in God, God, we have that's, we have a right to that. We have a right to it. If you're that insecure person today, and if you're that person searching for your identity, your search can end today. Yeah. If you're that person that feels like you're not taken care of, if you're that person that feels neglected, left out, not measuring up, if you're that person, it can stop today because it has to stop internally. Not, it, not necessarily externally. Internal takes care of external, but external never takes care of internal. Because there's millionaires walking around that don't feel taken care of. Feel exposed. Don't feel like they have enough. Howard Hughes was one of the greatest millionaires and brilliant minds, but he was ate up with insecurity. He would not, he got more, he would not shake another person's hand because he's scared he's going to get germs and get sick and die. He was a millionaire, a brilliant man, a scientist, an engineer. But he was insecure because he was missing something. And that's why this revelation of God as a father is profound. It can profoundly impact our lives. Profound. Are y'all right? Yeah. Woo, Lord, come on. And then verse 2. Let's go through verse 1. All right. But Abram, Abram, now listen. This is cool. We're back to Abram now. He's, he's starting to come into this. This is all process. Abram said, Lord God. What will you give me? See, the Lord was promised not to be. He said, hey, there's something in my life I need from you. What will you give me? That's a good question. Ask the Lord that. Lord, what will you give me? Ask him right now. Say, Lord, what will you give me? That we had a word. God has got a word for you. Word, Lord, come to me. What will you give me? I need you to give me something, Lord. If you're too dog and prideful not to ask God for that, and thank you, God, everything like you're supposed to have. That's ridiculous. What will you give me when I need something from you? 
Now, let me just clarify that point. We have everything God's going to always give us. Nothing else to give, but it's in our spirit. It ain't always in our soul, and it definitely ain't always in our flesh. So my, my soul needs some things from God. My soul needs more of God's presence. My soul needs more of God's touch. My soul needs more of the likeness of Christ. And my flesh needs all that and more. You know? And so, what will you give me? And he told him this is what he needs. See, and I go childless. And the heir of my household is this guy from Damascus. Like, what the heck, Lord? This ain't, you know, this is all I've got. Then Abram said, look, you've given me, given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. In other words, it was one of his servants that was born. And that's what he was saying. I have a servant that's had a kid. And, and by the law of, of the land, the law of the way things work, and he's the one who's going to be get my inheritance. He's, but he's not mine. He's somebody else's. I don't have one. And you can feel, you know, the need in his life, the frustration in his life, because that was the, the thing in him that he was looking for. He was looking for that heir. He was looking for that person that he could pass. That's the father. It, it was his father's heart crying out to the father heart of God. That's the, like the first time we see Abraham as a father. Right here. And so we're going to have some frustrating moments on this journey, aren't we? You know, we really are. We're going to have some moments that don't feel good and don't look good and nothing acts good. This is all, Abraham is always comforted me. He blew it big time with Hagar, right? Later on, he, after God did all this, he still blew it. I'm thinking, oh boy, Abraham had bad days. So when I'm having a bad day, I'm not disqualified. I can just be dumb as he can. But God still lifted him up in the New Testament that he's a follower of us all. That should give you comfort. I don't know, unless you don't mess up like I do. Right? If they were, the problem is, they, the good thing is he didn't have a bad, he didn't let his life be bad. He just had those bad moments. All right. Are we still going? Yeah. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir. Notice the word of the Lord came. Isn't that cool? Word of the Lord, say that again. Word of the Lord, come to me. What do you have for me? Tell them what you need. You don't have to say it out loud. Just tell them. This is what I need. Abraham, do that. I need an heir. Yeah. Word of the Lord. This is what I need from you. I think God wants us to talk to him about that. Or we'll stay back this Christianity that feels sorry for babies with no hands. What about the education? And cancer patients. So what, about, what about the people that lost their hair? They lost their hair from the tumor. See, we'll sit there and accept all that. You know, if we are not willing to push into God and say, this is what I need for you to give to him. We need to start taking that kind of heart with him. But you, but one who will come from your own body and shall be your heir. Remember Abraham, at this point, is no younger than 75 years old because he left his father's house when he was 75. So he's not a young guy. In other words, your days of having babies is done, son. In fact, well, you should have a bunch of grandkids by now, boy. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Abraham, you know, I'm done, man. What am I going to do? What, you need to do a miracle, God. But God says, you come from your own body. 
Then he brought him outside and said, look. Look now. Oh, that's important. He brought him. Everybody say he brought him outside. He brought him outside. He made him get up. Okay? Get up from there, Abraham. Get out here, son. You can't sit where you've been sitting. You hear? Sometimes God is just wants to tell us something. You sit where you sit. You sit in your defeat. You sit in your disappointment. You sit in what God didn't do. And I've got something more for you. So you can sit in this tent. You can't see nothing. Get up and come out here and I'm going to show you something about your life. And there's people that need to just get up from where you are. Because God is saying, get up from here let me show you something. That's the way he deals with us. You don't want to make more than that, I can tell you that. One time I, we went out, we was at a retreat, me and Marlon stayed in the room together, and Marlon took his shirt off. I thought, my God, this guy's a monster. He would kill me if he got me. That literally, I told a couple of y'all do not mess with Marlon. He will hurt you, I mean, badly. You just don't know. I got, a, I got the Spirit of the Lord on me about Marlon. He brought him outside and looked towards the heaven, count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And he believed, this, this is one of the most famous scriptures in the Bible. The New Testament quotes it. And he believed in the Lord, and the Lord accounted to him for righteousness. All he did, Abraham didn't do jack. He just believed what God said. That's all he did, he just believed. And he, and he was 75, at least 75, somewhere between 75 and probably 80 something at that time. Knowing that it was impossible for him to have a child, and he just believed that somehow a child was going to come out of his body. He believed it because God said it. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? Yeah. So, this is the key. Uh, you know, he believed faith comes by hearing, and hearing, that's Romans 10 17. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of the Lord. So, when you, listen, word of the Lord come to me. When the word of the Lord comes to you, it gives you an ability that you don't have. Okay? It gives you the ability to hear God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, 17, I think it's up there. Y'all get that? This is really important. People want to hear God. Well, let me tell you something. Word of the Lord, come to me. And when it comes, it brings the inherent power to open your ears to hear what he has to say to you. And when you hear it, it has the ability to create faith in your heart. It has the ability. All that comes from Him. You don't have to generate it. You don't have to figure out how to make your ears hear. You don't have to figure out how to have faith. It's given to you when the Word... That's what I'm saying. It's a dangerous prayer. Because when it comes, faith comes. And faith wants to do something. I'm not talking to anybody this morning. Come on, and what did that woman say to us a few weeks ago, Elizabeth Nixon? She said something. Me and Tony were talking about it. It was really amazing. She said, because faith operates in the spiritual realm, it is able to activate spiritual truth. Faith activates something. Faith activates something in your life. And you, and you know what acti it activates? It activates you. It activates your heart. It activates when you see the child with no hands. Suddenly, you're activated about it. 
You're not activated out of, out of human compassion or human mercy. You're activated out of the compassion of the Lord. And you're saying to God, something needs to be done about this. This is wrong for babies not to have hands and crawling around. They can't do anything with it. And they have to live their entire lives without hands. Oh, it's beautiful that science could give a baby mechanical hands. I've thought that. But I don't think we should settle for that. I think we've got to start contending for these things. And start laying hold of these things. I think God wants us to do that. I think that's where we are on our spiritual journey. I think God has touched us. He's, he's teaching us how to have encounters with Him. But He's saying, if you stop at that, you've missed the whole thing. That's what he's telling me. You're in a dark hell, Byron. You can't stop at what I did. The refreshing, the beauty and all that. Don't stop there. There's something that needs to be done in this world. And it's going to upset the apple cart. Because you will not be the same as everybody else. And people don't like that because it threatens them. Mercy, Lord. And so what birthed in his heart was a relationship. Because it says the Lord accounted to him for righteousness. And the legal term, the definition of righteousness literally means right standing. God said, Abraham, I'm, because you believe me, I give you a gift of relationship. I give this to you. You didn't earn it. You ain't done anything. But now me and you are in a relationship. Just because you believed. That's all we've got to do. If you want a relationship with the Lord, just believe God. I mean, that sounds too good, but that's what the Bible says. All this is, Paul goes through, goes through this stuff hard in Romans 4. I mean, real hard. There's a difference between faith righteousness and works righteousness. You know the difference. Works righteousness don't work. That's the bottom line. That's a bad name. Okay, let me just tell you something else here. Are y'all okay? That the Lord told me this week, okay? It's about the gospel. And this is what he told me. He said, you need to start defending the gospel. And I thought, defending the gospel? I'm not defending nothing. You defend it yourself. That's what I tell you. I'm not answering for you. But actually, that is all over the New Testament. Paul, in fact, Paul said in Philippians 1.6, his purpose was to defend the gospel. And so I want to just tell you this about the gospel. There's a lie that we're getting a false gospel that's leaking into the church. There, there really is some perversion going on with the gospel message right now. And we have to push back against that. Not just to push back against the people who are doing it. We have to push back against that spirit that's behind that. You know, for instance, the whole issue of repentance. Repentance is the foundation of, of seeing the kingdom of God. The day you stop repenting, the day is the day your lights are starting to go out. So if somebody tells you you don't need to repent for stuff you've done or not done, you're don't listen to them. That's not the truth. If somebody tells you you don't need to confess your sins, that's a lie from hell. God doesn't need to hear about your sins. Okay? But, but you need to hear about it. And confession is for you. It's to cleanse your soul. It's to cleanse your conscience. To get that off of you. Because the Bible says the blood of Jesus cleanses our heart. Our heart doesn't need to be cleansed. Cleanses our heart from an evil conscience. A conscience that's going to condemn you. 
And it, it sounds really, really cool and sounds really great when people say you don't need to repent no more or you don't need to confess your sins no more, but it's not the biblical truth. It's really not. Because it's all for us. Repentance is, is for change the way you see things, change the way you think so you can change your life. And if your mind will never be renewed, until you, you have to constantly be in repentance for your mind to be renewed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, is what it says. How do you renew your mind? You repent. You change the way you think. I thought this, that's wrong. This is the way I'm thinking from now on, Lord. And that renews your mind. That gives you, you start receiving his thoughts. Am I clear on this? Yeah. And I just want us to become those defenders of the gospel. And I don't really know how to do it. I think it's a tragedy that we have books out there, or this phrase out there, out there called hyper grace. You know, I think that's a tragic thing to say about, about yeah, it's just tragic because there's nothing hyper about grace. Grace is, is real. But it, what, that, see how devious that is? Is to pull people away from the, from the grace message, from the revelation of grace and get them into some, it's religion. It's, it's what it is. It's just religion. This is not part of this message, by the way. All right, let me get done here. Relationship with the Lord. Last one. Free faith and free. Let's put up James 2.23. It says, The scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And listen to what it says. Listen, he was called the friend of God. So, this is important. Friends, I for years... Struggle with this friendship with the Lord. I mean, I've struggled with it because I wanted to be a friend of the Lord. I even asked the Lord, asked me one time a couple years ago, What do you want? On my birthday, He asked me, What do you want for your birthday? I said, I want to be a friend. Why don't you teach me how to be a friend? Man, it was just a disaster area. <laughs> I mean, have you tried being friends with somebody you can't hear talk? I mean, I'm like, well, how the heck am I going to be a friend? I can't hear you, I can't see you. I have no clue what you're doing. I, I really don't even know what you like. I can read the Bible. I can't figure out how it works here. I mean, it just, it's just impossible to be your friend, Lord. It's just impossible. And then somehow God got through my head, well, this is how you be a friend. You just believe me. Because that's what it says right there. I've heard people teach this thing. Well, you start out as a servant, then you become a son. Then you can become a friend. I'm thinking that is not true. Nowhere in the Bible does it say it's some kind of progression that you get. Have y'all heard that? I don't think it's true. I think the truth is this. When we begin to believe God, when we begin to step in this covenant relationship with Him, sonship is offered. Friendship is offered. It's all there ours for the taking. Now, are we going to have to grow in it Progressing, of course we are, but not progress like we're going through these different levels. Am I helping anybody in this room? Everyone wonders about. Here's the cool thing about friendship: friends tell each other stuff, right? Seriously, your friends will tell you stuff they won't tell other people. Hey, I got a secret. Don't tell nobody this, but this is what I'm about to do. Here's the secret the Lord told me last time. Y'all ever heard of the Benning, Benning Brothers? Y'all ever heard of the Benning, Benning, is it Benning Brothers? I wish, uh, they were, yeah, well, these guys are maniacs. 
Okay, they're literally on concord for you. They are serious. I went to this meeting one time, and I thought, dang, I can't take these guys. They're way, way too wide. They're like, they are right-wing Christians. I mean, they will, they take no prisoners. Uh, they're amazing. So I thought, hmm, too much for me. <laughs> then I went back to another meeting recently, and they were talking, and I'm thinking, well, I don't really like these guys, but I'm getting this feeling that God really likes these guys. <laughs> A whole bunch. I mean, God's really liking them, liking everything they're saying. I'm sitting there thinking, I need to start liking them. <laughs> and in the dream, I said, the Lord spoke to me about them. And he said, you need to be praying for them because there's, there's somebody called the government that's going to try to shut them down. There's something going to happen with them. That's the Lord telling me the secrets. He, he told me a secret about Brian Houston this week. You know who Brian Houston is, the leader of? I gave that to Susan. He was talking. This is what he told me. I saw it. I was there in Australia in a dream. And this darkness was coming on Australia. It was a felt darkness. The next morning I get up, you know, reading these pastor magazines that are terrible. Well, I do look at him and see what the news is. There's an article about Brian Houston. Brian Houston's dad was a pedophile. And he was also in the ministry. And tragically, Brian Houston had to take his dad out of ministry back in the 90s for being a pedophile. You know, and this was not something that was hidden. This was investigated even by the government of Australia. This is in the 90s. Well, a person who was a victim of his dad has risen recently and accused Brian of not doing certain things that he should have done. And I thought the Lord was telling me, that darkness you were seeing, that darkness is tied to what you just read. Now, you wouldn't think that a nation coming into darkness over a person. But see, that's how God thinks, and that's how we think. Y'all see what I'm saying? That's God sharing his secrets with people. Y'all see? That's all. Yeah. And you know, of course, Hillsong, and I don't really follow Brian Houston. I can't, honestly, it's not one of my, like, oh, I don't really like that guy's preaching. It's just like, oh, But they've got, they've had a worship ministry for years in terms of congregational worship. They've been the best year in and year out for Probably 20 years. Amazing songs that we we sang a lot of them. It's about worship. You know, the Lord really wants to do a lot, y'all. Am I stirring anybody up this morning? Yes. I'm trying to. I'm trying to ease, ease you into this. So I'm going to stop. Maybe the worship team can come back up here. There's so much more the Lord wants to give us. You know? Listen, I'm just telling you these stories, okay? Because this is the hour we're in. We're in an hour where God is wanting to approach His people. And He wants to come near to us. And He wants to touch us. That's, that's the hour we're in. So He can raise us up. To do what he's called us to do with our life and live the life that he designed for us to have. That's the hour we're in. We're in that moment right now where God is going to release visitation to his people. 
And the visitation is to put this fire, the spirit that's in you, is to blow on that. And cause that fire that's down in you. Because you have a fire of the Holy Ghost inside of you right now. Yeah, yeah. Are y'all hearing me? Yeah. And that fire needs to be stirred up. That fire needs to start burning in you. It doesn't need to sit there dormant with the ashes of your life, the ashes of the world, the ashes of your disappointment all over it all the time. That is not God's will for you. That is not God's desire or heart for any of us. He wants to get his mouth down on your belly and start blowing on it. And when that blood, when he starts doing that, let me tell you this. Here's, I want to tell you this. I got to tell you this. Can I tell you this? People who say you don't need to repent, this is what I think about them. One of two things. One, they have never had an encounter with the Lord. Or two, that encounter has been so long ago that they forgot what it's like. When God's presence comes real manifested in your life. Because when His presence comes in a really big way, the first thing you do is, I'm sorry. The first thing I do, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, because all of a sudden I have come into contact with something that's much more amazing and more powerful and more beautiful than what I can even imagine. I'm sorry, Lord. I forgot what you were like. I forgot how awesome you are. How awesome you are, God. I'm sorry. I have settled for something less. Please forgive me. That's the people you'll know that's coming out. When they start acting that way, they come into something bigger than them and greater than them. Bigger than their little theology. They got all this stuff figured out in the Bible. And this is how you do it, this is how you don't do it, and all that crazy stuff. You come into account of the Lord, you throw all that out. That's really what happens. And the Lord wants to bring you into that account. And when you walk away from that account, guess what, what you walk away with? You walk away with that fire inside of you. Your belly is burning. And you realize something in my life, I, I've got to be different. I can't be what I was. I can't stay the same. I can't. And I'm not willing to. And then God will start talking to you about babies without hands. Because he's found somebody who's willing to listen to him and say, what do we need to do about this? We may have to upset the apple cart to get those hands out of heaven. But we need to start upsetting the apple cart. That's what it takes.
y estás invitado en esta mañana a tener una relación basada en esta promesa si no conoces a Jesús como tu Señor y Salvador tenemos gente que está aquí que va a orar por ti So if you have business that you need to deal with with the Lord, come on. If you're good, then be good. Be blessed. And take care of yourself. Love y'all.